0: Hello, my name is Venkat. I'm the managing partner of uh, Inflexor Technology Farm. When you're in New Jersey, there's only two ways you can go, right? Either you go to Bell Labs, you know, at Bell Labs, right? So then, or you go to Wall Street.
1: So th- this, like, that era, like the Bell Labs era, when Bell Labs was the dominant innovators in the world of computers. Wow. Unix, Unix operating system, and pretty much everything
0: at the time, innovation was happening there, right? So, and so, and then other option we had was go to Wall Street, right? so which is New York City. So I chose the later, so I went to, I joined Wall Street. I joined in initially a couple of startups, which is a company called Sear Technologies, which was the joint venture of IBM and first Boston, and did that a couple of years there and then joined a company called Summit Systems. So these were
1: developing software for banks, these companies.
0: Yes. first one was the case tool and they were working with the banks primarily. And the second one was the trading system, Submit so software. And they were first uh, software to develop the Swaps trading system. Working with Lehman Brothers at the time, and, and they came out of Lehman Brothers had started this small outfit. I joined them for some time. Then I joined Merrill Lynch. So Merrill Lynch as a, a programmer, as a software developer on the trading desk, right? So that was a start, a starting my career on Wall Street in reality, right? because that's when I saw the trading desk first time. When you go to trading desk in these firms, it's pretty overwhelming, actually, right? So and it was mind-blowing when I went there first time because you see, I was on the fixed income trading desk pretty much, right? So so much happened in and so much noise and such a high-pressure environment, and it taught me a lot over the next few years. And the surviving in that environment and working with the traders, it was amazing. And, and the kind of complex software you built in, in those investment banks is also... Not for the fate of the heart, in my view, right? But And so it kind of taught us a lot, right? So, and after that, I started my own company working with, so I developed some contacts during the time right. and started my own company working for the same banks, right? same investment banks, uh, working on the trading desks and building software for them, right? So I've done that for a few years. So this was software to execute trades, building custom software for, for let's say you're talking about fixed income trading, options trading desk, or building some models, that kind of software, right? So and and worked with them. And uh, and I started my own company working with the same folks I built the relationships with. Have done that for a few years and grew that company. And my our clients included Lehman Brothers, Merrill, at that time Ocovia and a few other banks, right? So and uh, and then started Indian Outfit as well to do the software development here. So i have done that for a few years and sold that company to Canbay, now part of Capgemini, right? So sold that company in 2005. And after that, I have worked with Canbay for an year or so to transition my role, and then came back to India at the time, made it, you know, discuss with my wife and say, let's move to India. Because I had two boys at the time. One was 10 years and the other one was five years at the time, 2007. So sold my house and looked at the Indian Indian potential in the Indian ecosystem, so came back here.
1: Uh, And once I came back here, I jumped So that, that acquisition by CanBay, so you were the majority stakeholders in the business when it got acquired. It could have given you enough money in the bank to run experiments and not worry about your next job anymore. I was at the crossroads and said, let's see what we can do. Right? And, and India was a
0: compelling story at the time. right, And the whole Goldman Sachs coming out with all these reports and everything. right. So we thought, why not? And uh, came back here. After coming back here, I didn't wait too long jumped into entrepreneurship again. Yep. That was into manufacturing and manufacturing the batteries, industrial batteries in India, right? Those industrial batteries were used in telecom towers and railways and other things. They used that in railway compartments and also large telecom towers and stuff like that, right? So those were, those were the use cases. One of my friends who grew up with me at the time, he worked for a batteries industry and he met me as soon as I came back from the U.S. and sold me that idea of, of of potential in the batteries industry. I like the idea, I like the person, so why not jump in? And then we put in our money and also raise money from the banks. At the time, debt, there could be debt. At the time, venture capital was not very active, very, very minute actually, right? PE was there to a certain extent, but venture capital was not there. Equity financing was not existing. And so we raised debt from the banks. You know, it's about probably 150 crores, kind of. Project out there to start with. We we did that project and it was tough to be honest. Right now, when I look at in the hindsight, I mean, had known it was going to be that difficult, I wouldn't have got into that. Right. So, but that taught me so many things about India, how things work, how to get the permits, how to work with the banks, how to get things going. Because what it told me is why while the labor and the workers right are probably the labor cheap, but the total cost of transactions in India put together are either on par with the Western world or more expensive when you combine everything together. Can you explain that? Like, oh. So what I meant by that is, right, so when you employ a, a workforce, right, some workforce, that could be cheaper in India, right? But the total cost of any transaction, let's say setting up a unit or getting a project done, when you combine, you know, that's my experience. I could be wrong, it could have changed now, but the amount of time it takes the amount of permits and other things, other bureaucratic things you need to get through and the effort it takes. If you put everything together, the total cost of transaction is on or are more expensive, actually, compared to the developed countries,
1: is what I understood, right? That's, that was my experience. Okay, okay, okay. So that's a ease of doing business problem. Like ease of doing business is very poor. Therefore... You either need to spend a lot of time or you need to spend money greasing to make things go faster, or you need to be connected. And also supply chain, because either doing business is only part of it, right?
0: And supply chain, infrastructure, right? At the time, infrastructure was very poor, right? Now it's getting better, right? But connectivity, infrastructure like logistics, electricity, logistics, connectivity, electricity, backup, you know, you know, you got to you got to combine everything, right? And on top of it, getting anything like PCB, like Pollution Control Board, other approvals, and the way things happen is it was long. It, was, it took time, right? So when you put all those things together, time is value. I mean, time is money. You got to count as well, right? So that's what I meant. But nevertheless, we built a great company, and it was probably doing around two hundred, two hundred fifty crores revenue at the time, and but not very profitable, to be candid. But a great company. It takes time, right? Because I'm talking within four to five years. It takes anywhere between five to seven years, in my view, especially manufacturing company, if not more, to establish yourself. So we were in that process and we are turning profitable and, and other things. And at the time, Enersys, which is a global company, and very listed batteries company, they were trying to set up a unit in India and they came and acquired the company. Which was good for us, and uh, we the returns were good, and uh, and worked out very well for us, right? So, and after that, we also we, we set up another company called Onto you Tele, uh, telemedicine healthcare. Even that was that was in two thousand eight timeframe, right? So even that is a little bit early for telemedicine because infrastructure was not there. So it was a again. Healthcare is a tough market in India in my, even if you ask me today, right? So so, so nevertheless, even that company got acquired by Singapore
1: and U.S. consortium. So uh, this medicine company was for Indian audience, like you were serving Indian patients in this. In- initially, we were looking at commercial market,
0: directly talking to the customers and trying to recruit the customers into our platform. That didn't work, right? Because people want touch and feel, right? They need to go to the doctors, right. right? And, and the infra wasn't there. And so then started working with the governments, state governments, to work with their primary health centers with a specific use cases that worked out reasonably well, right? So eventually that company got acquired as well. So those were the two companies I, which I got exit in India, one, one company in the U.S. So that's, that's my entrepreneurial journey, right? So during that time, I also had some friends in Bank of America in the U.S., and they had presence in India, but they didn't have any technology presence. So they asked me whether I would like to take up the challenge of setting up the technology division for them. Why not? Because it sound, sounded interesting because it's like entrepreneurial venture as well. They gave enough free hand to set it up. So, I joined Bank of America as the first employee in technology and set up their tech division. Also, you know, ran some operations as well as part of the journey. So, by the time I quit Bank of America, the team was around I would say 6,500 plus around. Know, team strength
1: and very well oiled, And they were like working as an offshore development center for U.S. requirements. Okay. Okay. And they also have, Bank of America also have, they have
0: presence in India as a business. So that's a different unit altogether. But we were working with the global teams. And mm-hmm. once the team is set up, that started working well. So I thought it, my job is done uh, and quit Bank of America and and started investing in, in companies, startups. at the time. As a, as an angel investor, as as an angel investor, put my own money. You no, know, and when was this? When did you start investing? That was in 2014. 2014, my friend, right? So, they faced a couple of challenges, right? So at that time, venture capital started
1: becoming a bit of a mainstream. Awareness came in, but yeah, by the time Flipkart and some of these companies had raised their rounds, uh, India had had one or two unicorns by that time. So 2014 timeframe, but there the challenge was, as angels,
0: attracting good companies is always difficult in my view, right? Because they look for institutional capital very quickly. And and a lot of angels, family offices are competing with that small window of opportunity at that time, right? Because they're not, ecosystem was not mature. So it's very hard to get, attract good companies. We thought, why not set up a fund, set up a team to source and set up a process to make sure that. We offer reasonable help, required help to the companies, right? One is sourcing. Second is many of these companies in India required operational help, in my view, because, again, the ecosystem was maturing, and the guidance they needed was coming from certain founders that are experienced. Not many of them are there. So right. setting up a team with the right process, we thought was important for these companies, right? So, But we had a couple of concerns there because... We wanted to focus on technology and technology depth in in India. We were not quite sure, though there is a lot of technology depth in the you know, services industry, but not the product and 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 entrepreneurial side of it. So let's start small, and and also we are the first time fund managers. And all said and done, fund is like another startup for us. Right. So you're when you start first time, you need to establish yourself, prove yourself, and stuff like that. So we start with the hundred crores is a first fund. So I put my own capital, good amount of capital into the fund. And also at the time, two institutions joined us. One was SIDBI and the other was IDFC. IDFC was trying to get into venture capital at the time and the opportunity to invest in our in our fund. And uh, there are also very few known friends. They joined us as well. So it was a small fund. We did 12 companies, reasonably great portfolio actually, to be honest, when you look at this now, that was in 2000, end of 2015, 2016.
1: You uh, know, is a time frame, and so far, which were some of those. Com- so, I, I want to ask you two three questions here. Sure, sure, sure. As most founders think that it is very hard to find angel investment, yeah. and like like I'm talking of people who are just stepping into entrepreneurship. On the other side, as an angel investors, you felt that it's very hard to find. Good founders. Why the dichotomy? What is the? I mean, can you talk to me about that? Like, it's just you know this, actually, right? You know, money changes good
0: founders and good companies, right? I mean, there are many founders that are probably ambitious, but they're not completely there yet, right? And that that requires a lot of mentoring to make them reach that stage. So, investable companies per se it would take time, right? They would learn. It takes time, but investable companies are very few and money was chasing them and, and you now it was hard to find them right And you know, it was hard to and how do you define an investable company there are a few things we look at right it's a founder is a most important thing right founder maturity and how they look at how they understand the ecosystem and how do they see the company growing that understanding itself was lacking in many founders at that time right now ecosystem has is evolving much faster pace I'm quite happy about that. But when you talk about 2015 time frame, it was probably a concept of evolution. And very few founders understood you now how the ecosystem, what is what how do the equity financing work and dilution, growth, those kinds of concepts were not there. Whoever understood? I mean, money was chasing them, right? And we, it was hard to get them into them, right? So there we need
1: to we had to have some process. And then the reason for setting up the fund is, you know, have the team. Do you also look for traction when you say that it's an investable company? Does it mean they should have revenues, growth, all of that? Yes. two, two, three things, right? One is the f- foremost
0: thing is founder. Second is a business model, whether the model itself, the potential, whether it's scalable, whether it's, if it's India for India, India for global, what kind of model they're talking about? Is it scalable? Sure. If you're talking about India alone, those things are the second thing we look for. The third one is obviously the, the team and the sales and marketing, go to market plan. These kind of things we look at, right? So, operations aspect, right? So, between all, all these things, very few companies at the time were able to push through. One thing I, I forgot to tell you, right? We wanted to see revenues. They don't need to make money, right? At least revenues, there are customers and model is proven. I'll give an example, right? Atomberg, I don't know whether they you know the company or not, Atomberg fans, right? They make, uh, it is a, they make energy efficient fans. When they came to us from IT, ID Mumbai, Bombay, so they were making around 15 lakhs a month kind of revenue. Now they are like 60 to 70 crores a month revenue, right? So the kind of scale that happened from there to now is tremendous, right? So we were looking for probably that kind of small revenues, even before we could put the money in, right? So with these requirements, there are very few companies. So by setting up the team, what happened was even people lack operational experience, we kind of able to complement them, right? They offer help by, with our experience, right? So the reason for setting up the fund and having a team and setting up a process of monthly review meetings and looking at what, what needs to be done, how do we connect the people, stuff like that in the same So that whole thing, even for us as a fund, was a startup and it took a while for us to establish those processes and mature them as well. So that's what it took, right? So, but you know, if you look at our portfolio, great companies, we had many good companies. Atomberg was one, one of the examples I told you. Electric Aerospace is another company, which is into space. They're, they're you know, Entropic, you no, know, and uh, these are all uh, Fund One, Plesifu, right? Yeah, these are all Fund One, right? There are many companies that are, that we can discuss based on time and time availability. But I think at this point, we are quite happy with what we built in Fund One and uh, the returns and, uh, and and so far the multiples we got is
1: quite good. Okay, so can you also give like a venture fund 101, what is, so when you say that you raised 100 crores? does that mean you had 100 crores in the bank? What is the way in which the fund itself earns? How do you pay salaries? You set up a team. How does all of that happen? How are the returns distributed? Like what is the economics of a venture fund? So again,
0: as I told you, venture fund is no different from any other startup in my view, right? So When we set up the fund, we need to have minimum viable infrastructure or team, right? So one is the partners, uh, either managing partners or general partners. Apart from that, we got to have principals, analysts, and associates, right? That can do sourcing. Once the company comes to us, how do we close the deal, put the documentation? And then that's a pre-deal. There's a lot of work in it. It takes around four months on an average to
1: close a deal, right? And to send the money to the bank of any company. Once a deal is closed, because you spend time in due diligence and then there is some negotiation and back and forth, so. what happens is once they come to us, initial meeting happens and then we are happy
0: with the model and stuff like that, then we do business diligence just to check the potential bottom up and top down approach and all the numbers. And once we are happy with that, then we do the investment committee meeting, which is which way, where the entrepreneur comes in and presents the case. And investment committee looks at different things and they have to approve the deal. Once the deal is approved, then we kick off the due diligence. And that could be legal, that could be financial, that could be more information, business plans and other things. Because once the deal is approved, we issue the term sheet. Term sheet negotiation itself will take time because many of the entrepreneurs will have some issues here and there. We need to negotiate that. Then doing the due diligence will take some time. course, the documentation, right? To, to SHS and SA, you know, those things will take time. And identifying conditions precedent, conditions subsequent, what needs to be done, all those things will take time. So it's a, no matter what, it takes time, right? So that four months, it you know, we need to have team. Once the deal is done, post-deal, we need to have the condition subsequent, closing that condition, you know, and then making sure that operationally, there are certain processes put in place. And we need to identify where the company needs help from the, investor right we cannot be breathing down their neck on every everything right so we identify there's a gap whether it's in finance or sales or tech technology we try to help in those areas by bringing in the our contacts and, and venture partners and stuff like that right once that happens we have every month review meetings and, and, and figure out what happens right what's the target versus actuals what did we miss is there is a variance where do you need help those kind of things happen right very very religiously and as part of this right there is a, any fund has got fund management fee and then carry that's what is for the funds, right? And uh, fund management fee typically from anywhere from 1.5 to 2% so, but to have this, now it's getting lower actually, right? Towards more to 1.5. What happens is you need to have the team in place. Without the team, you cannot function. So initially you need to put your own capital. Right? Because I, we did, right? Because apart from investing in the fund, we need to have some money to set up the infrastructure before the fund management fee or other things kick in. And there has to be minimum size of the fund to be viable. 100 crores is not, is probably, you're barely touching it, right? In my view. It is it, like a startup. The 2% of 100 crores won't cover all the salaries and... No, it doesn't, right? You know, but 100 crores, you can... You, know, you can you know, I think that's a minimum ticket size in, in if you ask me to be to start a fund, right? Anything lower than that not you know, you would be cutting corners a little bit in, in
1: my view. Right. So
0: that's a more break even break even kind of scenario
1: there. If you say like you your fund was hundred crores, that means at time of inception you had hundred crores in the bank, or what does that mean? That won't work that way, right? So you get the commitments
0: and then you invest that fund over four years or four to five years you call the capital as required, right? And then as you find, because you cannot keep the money in the bank because it is the ideal capital, right? And and you need to call the capital and then as you find the companies and deploy the capital. That's one. And second is as venture capital works on and power loss, right? Power loss you know, is basically you focus on the top companies, right? You know, the companies that return you fund. If you ask me, probably 15 to 20% is maximum you can ask for the stars to be there, right? And just if it, our expectation is 15 to 20% will be the stars, that's a lot of, that's a high percentage, right? You know, 40% would be mediocre, right? Four to five X. And rest, of, rest of everything was would be below par, right? It could be returning the money or some would go away, right? So, but that, that's the expectation for many of the funds in a way, right? So what you focus on? You focus on these winners. You don't, the other companies that are losing, wouldn't matter much for the companies, right? So, but you allocate capital, you continue to maintain your pro rata shares in, in, in these winners. And that's where we allocate a lot of dry powder as well for these companies. So, if you have, let's say our current fund is a 620 crores, we allocate 45 to 50% for the follow on capital,
1: right? Okay, okay. So, you can keep supporting your portfolio companies. Got it, got it. So I guess another thing to look for in investable companies also, then you need companies which actually give you outsized returns because only two out of ten companies will give returns. So a business which is expecting to grow at 25 percent per year is not attractive enough. You would want a business which can double or triple each year. Like that exponential growth is something which would be a key requirement.
0: Yes, absolutely. So when I said two out of ten, that would be those would be the stars, right? That's a Outsized returns, as rightly said, right, 10X plus at least, right? And again, those alone may not be sufficient. They would return, right? Good return. But you got to combine that with the other four Xs and five Xs as well. And then you have non-performers, which you continue to work with them, but you know, not necessarily the focused effort, right? So and these outsized returns are the key for anybody's success, in my view, right?
1: So <laughs> are there problems that you like? For example, if a company has this problem, then you'll say, Yes, I would like to invest in it because I know that we can fix this problem. Yes and no, right? My my view is as a second fund manager at this point, I learned my mistakes in,
0: in fund one, right? And I know because there few companies a couple of companies looked at it as say they have great technology, right? But founders may be a bit weak right we can fix it but never happens right because founders are the key in my view they we need to leave them alone and you got to help them where where required right and then they would excel by giving them the free freedom to run the company but help them right but if you feel that founders are there is a they are either incapable or something else there's a weakness because Classical mistake is cap table is messed up as well. So many times, what happens is by the time companies come to raise the funds, they're already below 50% ownership between founders, and that doesn't work because that's something we also look at, by the way, right? Because founders should have enough skin in the game by the time they go to cities B, C. If they are below 50 when they raise A, that's a big no-no for us, right? And that's another thing we got to look at. So all these things are, are, the, are quite important. So we need to make sure don't take operational burden onto, the, onto you as a VC. Because you can probably complement some of the skills and help them by providing help in terms of venture partners or some advice. But operationally, the company should be self-sufficient.
1: So, uh, what is the difference between a managing partner, a general partner, and a limited partner? Managing partner and general partners probably are one in, are interchangeable, right?
0: Because general partners are probably has got some skin in the game, right? That means they they might get some part of the carry and some part of the some compensation and stuff like that. But a g- managing partner is a general partner who is running, you know, day to day operations of the fund as well, who manages the fund,
1: right? Like a CEO, basically.
0: Oh, yeah, no, it has the day-to-day operations, right, of the fund. Limited partners are the investor in the fund, right? There's always a fund management company, and there is a actual fund. Right? Limited partners are part of the fund, right? They put in required capital. So generally, the GPs and managing partners are also they also invest into the fund, their own money as well. So the different kinds of
1: shares in the fund and stuff like that. Okay, so when you launched Fund when the problem you wanted to solve was access to good opportunities. So, how did you scale that up? Like, how did you scale up access to good quality opportunities or uh, finding good companies to invest in? I mean, that's still a, <laughs> a, a a problem today, right? But
0: it has gotten a lot better. And one thing that was very heartwarming is the kind of capability that exists in the develop in in Indian ecosystem. So in 2015 versus now, the quality of companies is is probably very, very different and, and gotten a lot better. And the understanding of what needs to be done by entrepreneur to access global markets has is, is also changed. And there are enough case studies, enough mentors in the system today that can help these entrepreneurs. And the quality of innovation that's happening today is, has also improved quite substantial. On the same note, the money coming into the country for equity participation, either venture capital, small or big, you non know, local domestic funds and international funds coming in and corporate venture capital and PE funds also getting into early stage. I mean, so amount of capital chasing companies also has gone substantially high, right? Now, if you look at last year, 43 billion went into venture capital. I mean, unbelievable, right? So that's, and this year has gone down by 40, 40, 50%, but it's fine, right? That's the way things are happening. But because of that, still finding good companies, money is chasing, chasing good companies. I'll tell you, recently, we are looking at a couple of companies. The valuations have come down by
1: 30% or so, compared to a few months ago. How do you know the valuation has come down? The same company comes to you again, ready to accept a lower valuation? Lower valuation, yes.
0: Because way they were when we initially saw versus now, I know, we're seeing correction of twenty five, anywhere between twenty to thirty percent, right? You know, there's no hard and fast number out there, but we're seeing that. But still, these good companies are being chased by a lot of funds. So while while the valuations have come down a little bit, no, but the money is still chasing them, right? So that's the way the system is today. So. While the number of entrepreneurs and number of companies have gone up, number of funds and number of the amount of capital has also gone up. So having, having your brand and having your team getting experienced in sourcing is very important, right? So, and having it the fund for last few years, it gives us that experience at least compared to the new funds. Okay. Okay.
1: In a way, this is like the classical go-to-market challenge for a startup. Like for you, the go-to-market challenge is getting good quality companies. Absolutely and the reason this
0: is probably the best profession I've so far I' have done I' worked I've been entrepreneur worked in manufacturing worked in software worked for large companies the reason I enjoy this day in and day out is one is the continuous learning you go through because you meet these entrepreneurs and they must they may be very young but they have different opinion and you, you get to learn a lot from them and the new verticals new industries. That's amazing. That keeps you going on every day. That's something which I enjoy every day. Second thing is the kind of difference you can make. Even a $100 million fund, if you want to make 10x and with 10%, you can make the kind of leverage. impact you can have on economy is unparalleled, right? I mean, so with the kind of money you have, the kind of economic activity you can create
1: in the growth of the country or the, you know, or the entrepreneurship is... Phenomenal. In fact, there's like a multi-generational impact of creating these startups which really experience that rocket ship kind of a growth because a lot of the early employees will then become founders. The next generation of founders is kind of born in those startups only like Flipkart has given birth to Flipkart Mitra. They've given birth to so many other startups now. Yeah. I mean, many of these
0: founders, they become angel investors in other companies. I mean, that's phenomenal. When you see these Successful founders are creating other companies. That's the way things work.
1: So I, I want to kind of uh, go back to the go-to-market challenge. Can you give me like tactical examples of how you solved it? Like did you, for example, invest in content marketing? Or like how did you really build that muscle, that, that go-to-market muscle? In terms of sourcing you're talking about, right? Yes, yes, sourcing, yes. So so there, there are multiple ways, right? One is
0: when you go to the market, when you go, when you meet Entrepreneur, it works both way. It works both ways, right? When the entrepreneur meets you, they also start assessing you as an investor, right? While we are assessing them, right? So you have to create that goodwill with the. You meet lots of people and you work with them. You create that goodwill, right? You be open and you try to help them as much as you can, whether you fund them or not. And and that gives creates so much brand word of mouth out there that which would help many of the investors. And second is. Spending time with incubators. There's Mumbai, Mumbai IT and you know, Madras right. IT. and Every every premium institute has an entrepreneurial cell. You go work with them, establish relationship with them day in and day out. I mean, it takes time and effort, right? And there are so many accelerators out there. So you got to go meet them and establish the partnership out there. And the success rate is very low. Keep in mind, you got to be patient out there. And the third one is there are, there are bankers, the small boutique capital matching companies, right? And you know, we need to find some of those bankers and make them understand what you look for and work with them very closely. That's a third dimension. And fourth one is a fund uh, networking, you now, which, which works very well. Co-investing, right? Because you need to find like-minded funds and work with them very closely and sh- share the deals among ourselves and also angel networks out there. So, so it's so a combination of all these things
1: you need to establish and develop over the period of time. Okay, okay. So in a way, your top of the funnel, you grow that by incubators, accelerators, bankers, and the co-investing partners. Those all give you a higher top of the funnel. And then for conversion, you try to make sure that each interaction is adding value to the founder, mm-hmm. irrespective of whether you invest or not. So what is the business model for an accelerator or an incubator? Like, are these like, Social initiatives or do they also have a way of earning? Like, no, I mean, they, for example, many of these educational institutes, they have the entrepreneurial cell.
0: Typically what happens is they provide space in the very, very early stages and they provide some mentorship as required, but mostly space and infra and other things and the connects. And for that, they take some equity partnership, very nominal in my view, right? And uh, as they grow, once, once they start growing, at some point then it, they come out of this this incubator and, and get funded. And and you know, within you know one or two rounds they exit that the their equity as well, right? That's their model. And I think social side of it, there is social funds as well, but not much in my view, right? Most of it is for profit. They take a partnership and stuff like that. Okay, okay.
1: Like I see a lot of funds doing a lot of online activity, building in like a way for receiving applications in bulk, whereas other funds you, you need to know someone to get a meeting. Uh, you know, well, what's your view on that? Like, like say some funds will say, okay, fill out this detailed form and uh, we will come back to you within two weeks. And, you know, the, it seems to be like more of an automated workflow. Obviously there'll be human beings on the back end who will evaluate, whereas other funds you will need to get a meeting through an introduction a portfolio company or someone who knows them. And so so can you talk about that? Like, what is the approach that you prefer and why? No, obviously, the reason second
0: method is preferred is it comes through the referral. That means qualified lead. If somebody is referring you a company, it's qualified and, and it reduces your work in the pipeline, right? And that's definitely a preferred way. Obviously, that's not the only way. Even if you fill up online form, which we have, every company that comes to us is looked at. What happens is, right, We every Monday we meet as a team, let's say 50 opportunities came in the last week. We just go through them and then everybody votes, right, and stuff like that. So, but thing is, we try to get back as many as possible. Sometimes we may miss one or two. Doesn't mean that your opportunity hasn't been looked at. Because for us, we just need to make sure, as I said, it's a goodwill building. Also, Encouraging the entrepreneur as well, right? Now, not returning would not be the right thing for entrepreneur. When they receive something, either feedback, negative or positive, try to give them transparent feedback as much as possible. They need, where they need to improve and stuff like that. But we may miss few, right?
1: Doesn't mean that we haven't did, that for sure. But if you send an email asking feedback, we definitely will reward. Got it. Okay. Okay. So VC as an industry has been around for decades, I think. Maybe Sequoia must be like 50 years old or something like that. So what has been the technology disruption in the way the VC firm works? How like say banks are getting disrupted with newer from new age banks or neo banks, which are orphan techs. So is something similar happening in the VC space? Like technology disruption on how a traditional VC way of working used to be and what is it today? If you look at venture capital, it's not a high volume business, right? And it's more
0: to do with analyzing and making sure that you're picking the right company. And automating would be the workflow. Okay. Regulation, the regulatory side of it is something you can automate, right? So the kind of documentation you need to maintain for investor relationships, for regulators, for other things that can be automated, the workflow. right? But the majority of the work that requires to be done for evaluating the company still requires manual attention and evaluation of gathering the data. I mean, you know, some of the data gathering and other things can be done efficiently, but majority of the work still needs to be human and intervention is required.
1: So as the founder of a fund, are you also constantly raising money? Like say, a lot of startup founders say that the fund is a constant activity for them 24-7. Does that happen for you also? Like when you raised the second fund, which is like six times more than your first fund, How difficult was it? Or was the track record already established? So it was not so difficult. Can you tell me about the challenges of you yourself raising those funds which you invest further?
0: Right. So startup is never easy, right? It requires a lot of effort, ability to stand your ground many times. And raising money is one of it because you are asking somebody to trust your ability to give them returns on their money, which is not easy and that only comes by you showing the required performance and ability to identify and grow the companies, give them the returns as well. One good thing that's been happening in Indian ecosystem is the actual maturity of HNI's and and family offices looking at the alternative investments such as venture capital. So, if you look at ten years ago, the appetite was not there. Today, many of the HNI's and and family offices are looking at early stage investment as one of the alternative investments, their portfolio, diversification or alpha seeking, whatever that is. So, which is a great thing. And the ability to understand the technology focus has also gone up significantly.
1: I guess uh, this would also serve as a potential acquisition funnel for them. Like, like, let's say they would participate in investments and eventually some of those might become acquisition targets for them or in terms of giving them more market knowledge and understanding the evolution of technology and the space and so on. Right.
0: So many of the uh, large family offices will look at it as a co-investment. They would look at if the company is doing well, they want to they want to participate in the investment and stuff like that. There are also the large companies, corporate venture capital. Their goal would be aligning their venture capital investments into potential acquisition in the future, right? So especially corporate VCs, not necessarily the family offices, right? Family offices would look at probably some alignment in the strategy, but mostly, the, mostly from the investment perspective, they would evaluate the funds and companies. But the corporate VCs are
1: different. Got it. Got it. Okay. So most of your is from India or like all of it. Yeah. yeah. So we wanted to go do the uh, fundraise overseas, but we didn't need to because we closed the fund within India. So normally, a fundraise news announcement says that the lead investor is. Oh, what does that mean, the lead investor? How is the lead investor different from the other people who invested?
0: Generally, what happens is you need to have the sponsor for the fund, right? I mean, basically, you know, that that would be the initial major investor sponsor entity for the fund, right? So it, it could be a large family office. It could be an institution, preferably, right? And, and so for for us, it was... SBI was one of the institutes that put in the money as an anchor investor. We call it right. No, I would say anchor, not the sponsor. Anchor investor, right? So you need to have that. So and SIDBI has been very supportive you now in, in both funds, right? For us.
1: for a startup, when a startup says that, like say Sequoia was the lead investor, so that means Sequoia is giving the biggest share of funds, and probably they are also supporting in finding co investors Right. That works a little differently because lead investor in a company would be, right, they would take obviously the
0: higher share of the investment. Also, they would give the term sheet, right, in terms of what terms they would be offering. So once the company agrees for the term sheet, generally co-investor, co-investors will follow the lead investor in terms of terms and other things. And due diligence will be taken up by the lead investor as well in many cases. And then co-investors will take that the due diligence and feedback from
1: them. So let's talk about some of your portfolio companies. What are some of the companies that you invested in? Uh, How did you discover them? What was the reason that you invested in them? So, I mean, the way we look at there are, you know, if you talk about fund one, there
0: are obviously we invested in 12 companies and we exited a couple of companies, right? And that was one thing called SQ, feature tech. That was in the construction technology. We exited that company very early in the game. And Attenberg is one company I mentioned in the past. That was our second investment, which, which is into energy efficient appliances. Now they are into, initial focus was into fans, and they are, are one of the you know, start port companies out there. Right? And, and we continue to support the company. They are part of our fund one, and we also invested from fund two as well into that company. So when we looked at the company, again, our evaluation would be, if you look at India for India, like like Indian companies focusing on India, there you need to have the right scale. So Attemberg, they focus on appliances, starting with the fans. Fan is very scalable appliance actually, right? And they them cutting down the energy consumption by know, by two thirds, right? And it takes one third of what other fans energy consumption is. And that's a no brainer, right? From the ESG perspective, as well as scale perspective and the returns perspective. And, and the founders are amazing, right? So by looking at all these things, it was a no brainer for us to invest. And all of they've gone through very challenging scale growth as well, right, which they achieved and with the right quality, right? So something which is very good. And then there's a company called Play Shifu, which is the augmented reality based kits Right for, It's called Fidgetal you know, Toys for Kids. And like I just has acquired Osmo, Osmo, Osmo. These guys have similar kind of products. There's a globe. There's a few other platforms. And they're completely focused on global markets. right So the 90% of their revenues come from global markets and 10% is from India. right they're, They've they done probably 100, 140, 150 crores last year. So so that's, right. that is something which is also a great company which we looked at, right, which we invested in fund one, and we also followed on in fund fund two. And there's one more company called Entropic, which is basically artificial intelligence-based emotion recognition technology, right? So what they do is many companies have got these focus groups to identify whether this product works or not, the feedback and stuff like that. They automated the whole thing with the headsets, taking the brainwaves and also facial expressions to identify the emotions and use the AI for converting that to sets, right? So, which is doing very well as well, right? Other companies, Bellatrix Aerospace, they do the satellite propulsion. These are real rocket scientists out there, right? Very gifted. team. They, they have these propulsion systems, right? Which are the heart of any satellite. So, they, they have two value propositions. One is green, another is actual weight of the propulsion system, right? So, so they're also extremely talented team. We're very bullish on that as well, on the space technology, right? So like this, there are many other companies. There are a couple of companies in in cybersecurity, CloudSec and Data resolve, and there's one company in, uh, in chip manufacturing testing. Those are all the, these are the fun, some companies we invested in fund one. Coming to fund two, right, we have done Collier Logistics, which is a cargo management platform for airports and seaports. They are also doing very well and very mature company. And... We invested in a company called Gram Cover, an insurance platform, in shoot tech company, right? And Secure Things is another company we invested in in Fund 2, right? Which is again, as there is a EVs EV in a electric electric vehicles are coming into the play. And any car today you pick, right? There are tons of devices in there and chips in there, right? So providing the cybersecurity security for them is key as well. So Secure Things does cybersecurity for them. There is another company called Vithrauded AI which is an artificial intelligence-based video translation platform. And, you know, you can give any video or any image, and you click out the button, it translates all the audio and the content as well into different languages, right? So it uses artificial intelligence very intelligently out there, right? So we are bullish on that as well. So these are some of the companies we have,
1: right? So you would mostly be looking for founders who are technologists because your focus is on finding tech-first businesses where tech is the disruption. So like, tell me about the founders of some of these companies. Like, What, what made you feel that this is a great founder to back? That's uh, a great question, actually, right? So
0: tech-first is key. Obviously, we are a technology-focused fund. But the founder should have business inclination. I mean, their capability to understand business and grow the business is key as well. And without that, just the technology focus will not work, right? So generally, we look for more than one founder, if at least two to three would be ideal, right? Because there should be tech technology focused CTO could be one person, right? Who speaks technology, who walks technology, right? Who lives technology. But there is a CEO should be the person understands technology well, but also should be able to come up with the GT, go to market execution, providing the motivation, recruiting the team, keeping the team together. right. So I think that's a, that's something we look for now without that. We won't be able to invest in a company. Second thing is, it takes, as I said, four four months for us to invest in any company, approximately, give and take from the initial contact. What happens is during the time, it works both ways, as I said, right? They start evaluating us, we evaluate them as well. They're, we watch them, we meet them many, many times. And their body language, their ability to work together, ability to lead the team, answer the tricky questions and tricky situations, all these things will be evaluated and we allocate a lot of time looking at these founders if the founder is founders or we feel that are not going to cut it will be that would be off right so and just technology won't be enough right i would say it would be secondary in my view if you ask me interesting okay
1: so i want to understand why single founders companies are not preferred i mean there are a lot of famous examples of single founder companies like say facebook being one obviously that's a i mean that, that's like an outlier but or even amazon so i mean one could say that a single founder has that singularity of vision and less chance of founder conflict and so on i'm sure even the large companies such as amazons and facebook when they started probably single
0: the founder has the vision but he or she recruited the team very early on right the it could be lower percentage of the ownership we're not talking about how much percentage each one owns. The team should be having different roles. So it's hard to expect one person to do everything What requests request for a startup. They do wear multiple hats, but one person to do everything is probably next to impossible. Right? He or she needs to have the team. So we, I'm talking
1: about the team. And you want the team to have skin in the game, right? Yeah. We talk skin in the game, right? It's, it's like employment, right? I mean... That one. Yeah, okay. 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 Got it. Interesting. Okay. 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 So what kind of people do you need to have in your team to really be able to do this kind of thorough due diligence? Like you said, you meet them multiple times over a four month period and you're constantly picking up signals and yeah. I mean, it, it seems like a very specialized kind of a skill set. So how do you build your own team? Just like any other company, we have different roles.
0: So we have managing partners, principals, associates, right? Analysts, and uh, probably interns, right? That's how that is. And they grow into different roles in the hierarchy. And what happens, is because we became partners over two of having the experience as an entrepreneur, we learned the whole thing in the last few years as well, right? We kept telling our founders, you need to find the A players, otherwise you'll end up with the LG players, right? Z players, but similar to that, right? We need to find A players. We need to do what we preach, and we need to hire, recruit the right people, give them the opportunity to grow, and also have the right succession for us in the future. Right? This, as a fund, is like a company. Right? It will continue to grow, as you rightly said. Sequoia is is probably guru of every other fund. Right? And hasn't been built in, in in few years. Right? They existed for so long, and like many other funds comparable to Sequoia, right? We have so many examples we can follow, and we can learn from them. Create the one of the best funds in the uh, technology fund in India for us, right?
1: What would you advise aspiring founders who are looking to build a venture-backed startup? I think first and foremost, I've said that many times, having the right mindset
0: is a key. That means, let's say you, you identified an opportunity, do your homework and make sure that you are convinced and have complete conviction on that opportunity. Once you have that, You should set yourself a goal, multi-year goal, and think that is done, right? And once you have that mindset, you know where you're going to get to. And there would be uncertainty on the way. You should have ability to pave the way as you go along, especially in uncertain conditions. But you have to have that mindset of winning mindset and ability to have the rolling plan and pave the way as you go along. That's, That's a key. And second thing is, don't give up too early, right? What happens is people tend to, first year when you start the any company would be honeymoon period. And either you raise the fund through your friends and family, you put in all effort and you focus too much on the product and whatever. And then the first year would be honeymoon. Second year is where the things started becoming tough. And from that point onwards, right, having the right go to market, finding the customers, those things become paramount importance. And then you need to focus on that. Don't lose hope, stand the ground. And if you have the winning mindset and enough effort, things will happen. I'm, I'm telling you on my own experience now. I've gone through many of these situations as well myself and not standing your ground and be confident about what you can achieve is important as well. And third one is do your homework when you go to venture capital, right? Many things understand the ecosystem, as I told you, right? What is that? There's enough examples, enough mentors out there. Take help from bankers if you want, but make sure that you understand where you want to get to. And how we want to evolve your company and how much equity you want to give up. Don't give up too much equity right up front to, to angels and other things as well. So understand this, come up with the right plans. And then many times also understanding the market size is key as well, right? Don't be too optimistic and put the billions and billions of dollars. And other one is, this is a mistake I've seen most of the founders do. They undermine the competition. And all, that means when they do their homework, they think their product is the best. And that's what it here. But the reality is there are many others thinking the same way. And there's always a competition out there doing better than what you do. And you need to find a way to have the differentiation and entry barrier. There will be competition, for sure. But having that early more advantage and entry barrier, is the key. Don't undermine the competition. And go to market quickly. Don't focus on perfection.
1: Let me like kind of, Try and build a case study. So I often talk to listeners of the show. One of the listeners of the show told me about his idea that all founders need a good EA. A lot of corporates have people at a position who need good EAs. So there is an opportunity to build a company which is providing an EA as a service, which is remotely there, and then you can scale that up, make it global also and all that. So what would you tell this person? And he's currently employed in a job. So what would be your advice to him? I'm assuming that the, the person is looking at focusing on startups and offering them ES? Is that what what I heard or? Yeah, like ES as a service. And to a startup, right? Yeah. Like could be to corporates also. I don't know if corporates would agree to outsource it versus just hire somebody on their payroll, but I'm assuming startups would be early adopters.
0: Yeah, ES for the large companies, enterprises, that is well-traveled path, and there are many recruiting companies do that anyway, right? When you talk about the startups, I think there's no one job that can say, this is what I need. This is what I need the EA to do, right? And I'm telling you, that's what they call it as a, people call it chief of staff, people call it chief administrative officer, wears many hats, and startups cannot define, this is what I need for an EA. I think that's gonna to be tough, right? To define the boundaries for this kind of job. And that. and the kind of, kind of skill you need
1: is very different for startups. Interesting. Okay. One more. I want to put across an idea from a listener. So he is building a SaaS product for interior designers. Basically in India, interior designers have a lot of back and forth with clients who want some interior design work done. And so he's built a complete SaaS product where every interaction can be documented. They can share design plans and clients can say, I like this color or whatever. And uh, so what would be your suggestion for him? Like, how can he scale this up and do you see this as an investable business? No, I mean, this is also a well-traveled
0: path, actually, right? There are a few companies, I don't want to name them right now, but which have done this and has an initial success they have had, but didn't have too much success scaling up, right? Because you're You're talking about like a live space, which takes the whole turnkey. Right. I mean, if you're talking about working with architects and making sure that they can render the whole thing and, and stuff like that. Right, uh, it is definitely a good model. A few companies tried that model, and it depends on your a person's ability to develop develop the market, right? Do the sales and do the value proposition.
1: But companies have tried to do that, but had scaling issues in India, you in, in know. So he, he's doing a Shopify approach, where he's saying that I will provide them with the tools instead of trying to acquire the customers. It's not a B two C play that he's looking at. Where I say like a live space and all are like. B2C, where they're directly acquiring the customers. Possible. I mean, there is definitely a need, right? Most of these self serve tools
0: are also tough, right? You need to make sure that initial onboarding and people are using it the right way till things become stable is something the entrepreneur needs to focus on. But the market space is there. But, you know, it is, many companies have tried that as well.